folks, welcome to the Sidelines Podcast. The microphones are rolling. We're coming at you live or on delay or on demand. I'm your host, called Sage Hart. I'm here with my other host, my man. That's uh, AP over here, Cordae. How's it going? <laughs> I'm good, buddy. It's a very sedate one this time. Yeah, that was a, like, what's going on, Cordae? What's up, man? Uh, you're very, there was no, there was no uh, Dodgem car vibes. We weren't about to rip through the banner. People are going to think we're like hitting the bongs or something. <laughs> Just coming in real chilled and mellow. Nah, well, look, I guess we're, you know, we're easing into things. We're in the back end of Feb now. It's, uh, yeah. the, year's, the year's kind of in full swing. Yeah, you're right. It's just we're well and truly back in the grind. Life goes on. What do you do, right? How do we get motivated? So how do we how do we how do we save this episode? Because we've pretty much <laughs> <laughs> thrown it in the bin to our audience before we started. So some would say that this is clever tactics where you set people up for disappointment and then bring it home. And you're right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start. So firstly, Cordo. Yeah. You made the comment uh last week. So and I've seen some of your numerous footage, but I thought I'd ask how is the golf uh, acclimatization going? Ooh. Well, as you know, I, and I think you have this as well, <laughs> and we'll get to that later. I have that bug where once I decide, oh, I'm really into that, I go real hard. Like I get really into it. Almost like a, I get a bit like Heath Ledger, the Joker, where all those stories revol- like spat out into the community that he just got way too into it. So you're a method actor for whatever it is that you're hobbying on the time. Correct. Spot on. Like that is 100%. I'm method acting as a golf player at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, the people can't see it, but I'm like, I'm filming my swing at the range. Like I'm making sure my hands are in the right spot. Like, look at this. This beautiful slow motion drive. It's all there, baby. You can't see it. I can see it. Yeah. Um, so it's going well. I got my membership to Royal Hobart Golf Club. Yes, it was a big move. So I feel like once it's official, then you've actually gone from just like a douche that wants to play golf to, oh, okay, I'm actually committing to this properly now. So if oh. you started acquiring stuff, that's that's the big... The membership's one thing because that's, let's just call it, that's lasting, but it's not forever. That's, yeah, there's a 12 I, month timer on that. I haven't, look, I don't think it's that bad. I'll just list what I've acquired and you, you be the judge of that. Golf shoes times two, golf pants times two, golf track pants times two, golf shirts times four, golf sweater times two, <laughs> golf hats, lost count. <laughs> Putting practice mat check. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to point out. I'd like to point out that in two weeks you own probably double the amount of golf stuff that I have collected over the last fifteen years. Yeah, like I I look like I'm now sponsored by Puma. That was going to actually be my next question, which uh, not to bore our non. Uh, golf aficionados here, but you're on the journey. Yeah. What sort of golf attire did you go for? So it's, buying golf gear is very interesting because it sits into 
I'm going to call it three camps. It's yep. genuine old dude stuff. Yep. And there's a lot of that. Yep. It ha- hasn't changed in 35 years. Yep. You've then got the other phase, which is classy, um, but, you know, really paying heritage to the, to the old school, but still very good. I think yep. the, the perfect way to explain that is basically Adam Scott. Always yep. classy, but very yep. modern, but classy. Yeah. Then you've got uh, Swag Life, which is, uh, you know, Michael Jordan brings out a pair of, go- of shoes that just happen to have some golf spikes on it. I'm <laughs> yeah. getting them. Is that, a flat, is that a flat peak orange hat? It is. Does it have a golf logo? It does. Bring it on in. <laughs> so, uh, importantly, which golf route did you go? Let's rule off the old man one because you didn't do it. Are you sure about that? Yes. Ooh. I would actually say that I reckon I've nailed all three of those. What did you get old manly? Uh, I bought one of those old, like, sooty kind of like train driver hats that Puma make that Bryson DeChambeau wears. Because I was like, Bryson DeChambeau wears that. I'll wear that. You're going to have to lower your handicap very quickly to be able to justify being allowed to wear that on the golf course. I know. It's like wearing fluoro green boots on the football field. You've got to be able to score goals if you want to wear big, big dog boots. Yeah. Um, And then I think I land, yeah, more between the Michael Jordan classy phase. So there was a few peacocking shirts in there. It was a loaded question because I knew that you did. <laughs> I yeah. knew that you were going to steer towards some flat peaks, and I know you also sent me a picture of those Jordans. Which, look, I premise I have looked at. Um, a, my bank account can't afford them, um, <laughs> just because of. But it's not really afford. It's more just on principle and availability. I'm not getting them. I'd enjoy them, um, but it doesn't really go with my golf attire outlook. Yeah, I've gone, I, so not because I'm a brand like person, but I have, there's a bit of OCD in me where I need, I can't handle like multiple brands. Like I can't deal with someone that plays tennis in like Jordans, then wears Adidas shorts and then wears like Under Armour shirts and then a Fila hat. It kind of throws me. So I've gone mostly Puma. The shoes is the caveat you can get away with different because there's just some shoes that are just far yeah. better than the rest. Yeah, exactly. So I've got the Puma, I've got the Adidas and Puma shoes. So I've got the waterproof Puma, those kind of sneakery ones that they brought out. <laughs> Look at you shaking your head. You've got more shoes. I'm just shaking my head that you've actually got more golf shoes than I do. <laughs> That's what I'm about, baby. I'm going hard. But to be fair, I'm going to be playing in Hobart where it's going to rain pretty much every time I play golf. That, yeah, you probably could have bought some gumboots for your third pair and that would have been equally suitable. Correct. Um, so I reckon I look a little bit like Ricky Fowler. For those that don't know, he goes pretty hard in the paint with colours and patterns and, and vibe. Yeah, look, it's, um, he's got a very unique style. But um, yeah. I think we're going to actually talk about it a little bit later, but around um, sort of historical sports trying to appear to the youth but yeah he really does he does something different on the golf course in terms of what he wears yeah and i think i'm trying to do that but i've also got a few plain black and navy garments for when i play with people like you and the boys so that the amount of shit that's thrown at me is kept to a minimum gotta be done gotta you gotta you gotta cover all all beds yeah i've thought about it way too much (laughs) 
<laughs> but a lone old man sooty hat, floral Hawaiian style polo shirts, check pants. I'm gone. I'm doing it all. It's all happening. <laughs> all right. Now. Oh, wait, you had some more questions for me, didn't you? No, I think that was my main golf one. Your it was more just one. the swag. But but obviously by the acquisition, it was you you're vibing on it. You've gone all in and it's is is it as are you experiencing the highs and lows or is it all just euphoria at this stage? Uh highs and lows already because I've done the uh you know those uh the like laser golf things where you go and practice which I found that technology scarily insane and clever. So I've done that. I've had the lows of like topping balls and losing balls. There was a hole down here in a golf course. Every golf course in Tassie is pretty much like Pebble Beach. It's like slopes, hills, bunkers and cliffs. <laughs> losing golf balls is a very easy thing to do on certain Tasmanian golf courses. And I think I had one hole where I put six in the drink and I was heart broke. <laughs> Golf's also not a cheap sport for golf balls. No. They're very expensive and you lose them. It, it's very good when you don't lose them for quite a while. Yeah. So, yeah, that. I experienced the lows, but then also the highs of getting like birdies on holes that I had no business getting a birdie on. Right. So, so that's just, what it's about. Just enjoying life. But, yes, I'm sticking to my New Year's promise that I made live on air. So well, far. Look, <laughs> look, I look forward to keeping you on track with this because that is all part of it. <laughs> the next test will be our sidelines charity golf invitational when that gets put in the diary and yeah, I whether like I step up at that. I feel like there's going to be a lot of runs being had at the range between now and then by Cordo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully my golf coach, once he's out of hotel quarantine, uh, <laughs> we can get right into it. But now speaking of manhood, you may or may not have taken a massive risk with your manhood today, I believe. Uh, look, it's all, it, all in all things being equal, it's all occurred, but uh, I sold my motorcycle today. Ooh. Ooh. And the girls go, boo. Yeah, they all, I mean, that, that crowd, <laughs> that, that loose collection. <laughs> Wowee. Now, what sparked this decision? Uh, I hadn't ridden it for like a year because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, it was just one of those things that when you, uh, you know, don't go out and ride it and have no one to go see or, you know, pop in and visit, it makes it a little bit tricky to justify constantly forking over uh, rates to the government for, yeah. for, for Rego to be on the road that you are not using. But is but at the end of the day, it's a little bit like, you know, like how rock stars smoke. Like sometimes it's just all part of the deal. Like everybody knows motorbikes are cool. I know. It's heartbreaking experience at all. But look, there's always, there's always some upsides. I don't know what that is yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no. Well, you've decreased the chance of needing skin grafts or, <laughs> or being pro. In, in hospital. Yeah, big pro. Um, but did I, my, my big fear and I guess not fear cause I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with who I am, mm. but it was, did I just instantly become less cool with one singular exchange? Yep. 
<laughs> Only because, like, when we first met and started hanging out, I was like, this dude's a bit like me. On the surface, you know, pretty easygoing, got a good uh, little corporate background, but a little interesting. But then, you know, as time goes on, I was like, wow, that is a sweet Fender Custom Shop Stratocaster electric guitar. Wow, that is a cool Michael Jordan print that as you move house, you say, do you want to keep it in your house? I'm like, yes, I do. And then three, what's that? Ah, oh, just my motorbike. I barely even ride it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me the illusion. Mate, I am the king of that. I'm here. I'm <laughs> one of those. I'm like David Copperfield. <laughs> when I walked into your garage for the first time and I saw the motorbike sitting there with the weights and the heavy bag, I was like, this guy knows life. This guy's bought next to the go- next to the two sets of golf clubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so look, my, I, yeah. look, my big concern is now is not not the cool factor. It's just am I now more responsible? Theoretically, yes. But it does feel like something that a guy does before he's about to become like a father. Mm, that's a good point. I wouldn't have thought that though. There's like also that weird thing which I find, and again, I don't know whether it's... I'm going to paint a broad picture here with a very wide brush. Okay. <laughs> that's what we do. It's like when you go on MS Paint and you just go as wide as you can. <laughs> Guys in general... Justify stupid purchases. <laughs> yeah. Says me with all the golf shit sitting in my room. Yes, exactly. And look, not that my motorcycle was a stupid purchase, but it was an emotional purchase. Um, <laughs> they're the best kind. But there always seems to be, I always seem to be checking myself where I go through these moments where uh, you look at something and you know it's utterly ridiculous. Mm. Like, utterly ridiculous. And it's just, you know, it'd be something... I mean, here's a ridiculous example that's not true, but it always feels like it's something along the lines of, oh, yeah, I'm just about to pick up my King Arthur replica sword. Uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? It's just like, oh, yeah, no, nah, me, me and the boys, were, we've got a new WhatsApp group where we discuss like the fine art of sword making. And I thought the best way to really get into it was to acquire this from like the best uh, blacksmith in Northern Ireland. Like, what are you talking about? What are you doing on the weekend? Yeah. You know, Look, there's always there's always a, a hint that at any moment that purchase could happen. <laughs> but I never often hear many females having some ridiculous segue that's just not what are you doing type of uh, framework. <laughs> that that's, the sword analogy, that's like the transition from being boys to nerds to then cool adult boys again, right? So if you're like eight, nine or ten, you walk past those shops where they used to sell those swords and replica axes and lightsabers and blasters. You'd walk past those shops and you would see a guy coming out with like long hair, a Dungeons and Dragons backpack. And they're carrying that sword and you would think, wow, there goes the toughest and coolest guy in the neighborhood. Then as like an 18, 19-year-old, you're like, oh, there goes that guy. What a geek. What a loser. But now at our age, we're like, I really wish I had a sick axe <laughs> hanging on the wall. And so, yeah, like it's something, it's a trap that we can easily fall into. Yeah, it's, um, look, it's, it's one of those things. It's always, it's always ever present. And I guess that's where 
Look, I'm waiting for my next bizarro justification case. Um, you know, you sell the motorbike, you sell something, you move on from one thing in your life and there's always going to be the next ridiculous hurdle, um, which it, probably, you know, it's, there's always something. I suppose you're right. Like the differences, the general differences in gender, general, not the blanket. But is that why girls get so frustrated with dudes? Because we do have a habit of like risk-taking or making snap judgment calls that haven't had a lot of thought put into them. And we're more willing to pull the trigger. Yeah, there's some early trigger pulls. I feel like the girls that I know, the ladies, the women of my life, if they're going to buy something above and beyond, say, $500, there's a lot of thought and research that goes into it. I feel like you and I are very susceptible to a good window shopping something under good lighting. Oh, see, my thing is I love researching, but I'm fully aware that what I'm researching is ridiculous. But yeah, I love okay. it. <laughs> yeah, see, I'll have six tabs open on that Reddit forum about the King Arthur sword and why it is in fact the sword that you need. And I'll be like, yeah, I get this guy. Use a handle like swords are me, get around it. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, but yeah, see, I'm a bit more like I'll walk past an auto shop and if it says like 50% discount on NOS nitrous canisters, I instantly go, I could put that in my forward drive. Yeah, Does it go in a forward drive? Would I look like Paul Walker? Could I get a green yeah. Nissan? And before you know it, I'm in there, bought the canisters and also a set of neons to go on my car. But then I probably don't even get around to installing them. They just sit <laughs> in the packaging under my bed. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, it does, it does lead me on to my, my latest little quick window shop, which is more just a bizarro thing that I wanted to mention to you, yeah. um, which my sister sort of got me onto. So I had a moment, uh, one of the other podcasts I listened to, They've really got into trading cards. So in the last in the last two years, NBA trading cards have really risen back in popularity. Yeah, uh, I was like, I don't understand it. Don't get it. What's going on? You just get them. Like, what's happening? A lot of it's got to do with COVID over in the states. People are bored. They can buy mm-hmm. something, do it. The new phase is now here, though. There is these NBA moments, which is underpinned by blockchain or effectively you know, Bitcoin but the blockchain methodology. So people are acquiring digital moments and trading them. What? Yeah, look, I, it's really hard for me to explain because I can barely understand it. You, so you flagged this with me earlier and you, you spent five minutes talking and I didn't get it. And now when you're talking about like the actually trading them, I don't even get that. So the loose premise, and I'm going to try to explain this when I don't really understand it myself, which is how I do most <laughs> things. So... <laughs> Effectively, similar to trading cards, you buy a digital trading card pack as opposed to getting physical cards in your hand. You get these digital moments, which could be Courtney missing the fairway on a drive. It could be LeBron doing a dunk. It could be, I don't know, something, a block. Depending on how many of these have been created digitally depends on their rarity and therefore their worth. Right. So, by proxy, if there's only one Luka Doncic step back three of this six shot, it's worth more than that exact same one that's been digitized 500 million times. So, it is effectively digital top deck basketball cards. Yes. But 
you don't, and I think I said before, so you don't own the rights to the clip or anything like that. No, I don't think so. Um, I didn't really, I don't think that's part of it, but I mean, it does really open the floodgates at some point that you do, you could potentially do that because that would be interesting. That would yeah. be a whole different game. But I don't think this is what this is about. Uh, it's one of the more bizarro, I don't know what to make of it. I suppose it goes to that old adage that people will throw money at anything if they think it's either fun or awesome to throw money at it. Yeah. The worth the wor- what it is worth is worth what people will pay for it. Exactly. And clearly there is a market for digital imagery crypto coin cards. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> okay, so more importantly, you don't really understand it. Do, do you now own some though? No, you can't actually you can can't even buy them. They're sold out. Oh, so it's that it's blowing up that much and we're, like we're talking significant amounts of money. I think um I think a LeBron shot the other day sold for because of its rarity $150,000 or something. That's insane. So someone got a digital pack where you don't know what's in it. Yeah. They happened to get it and then they sold it on the market for this amount of money. That is insane. Yes. So have you tried to buy one? Is that no. how you discovered they're all gone? No, I was on the web on the I was like, what the hell is it? And looked on the front page and like, sold out, wait till the next thing. I was like, okay. I don't I don't understand what it but it is that I'm actually buying potentially anyway. Um but again, that's also like a nice sneaky how to create market demand, you just limit the supply. That is insane. What is the world coming to? I mean, I've got crypto. I don't even know what crypto is. Like, but this sounds like next level because it's essentially just a playing card on your computer screen. Yep. <laughs> what is happening to the world? If they make this Tarzos, if they come, if Tarzos <laughs> ring themselves and you get a digital, you get a digital pack when you get your Thins chips, I think there'll be a big resurgence. <laughs> Now, that is a commodity I am willing to trade. <laughs> I've got a Shaquille O'Neal rookie top deck rookie card or upper deck somewhere at home. I need to go and dig that out. It's in a shoebox in a plastic case. Could be worth who knows what. But if I can't, like, digitally sell it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, speaking of sport. A big event just wrapped up in Australia that caused essentially mass, I won't say chaos, but frustration for uh, our uh, wonderful city of Melbourne, the Australian Open. It's all done. It is all done. First question, do you think it was all worth it to have it and run it? Look, I think so. Uh I think you have to try persevere. It's kind of like the the running man sort of analogy where if you let if you let COVID completely stop everything, then everything doesn't work. You gotta try show that this kind of stuff it's challenging and it's annoying and look I know some people there's lots of you know, political frustrations about how some people can't get home and you get the athletes in and blah blah blah. It's like I get it, right? It sucks. Mm. On the other on the other side of the coin is the Australia as a a marketing image, and while the Australian Open is watched by 
numerous Australians. The worldwide audience is significant for mm. this show. Like it is very, very large. Yep. So in essence, um, and look, we didn't get the people coming over this time, but a lot of people come to Australia to watch the Australian Open. Mm. It's, it's a staple. There's only four Grand Slams in the world. They're not making any more. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's never going away from the other three places. So ours is the most likely to move. If any of them were to move, ours is the most likely one to not be ours. Yeah, that's a good point. So painful, a lot of challenges. Uh, the product definitely not overall as good due to the crowds and everything like that, but we showed we could do it. Yeah. What about the fact that it was the tennis assistant or like the slaves that the tennis players have to go buy shit for them who contracted COVID, then that got out into the community and caused the lockdown in Melbourne. That's bad news. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, it was, it was unfortunate. It did really impact the middle weekend, which is the most, the the most enjoyable weekend of the tennis. Mm. Um, But I don't know. I sort of am okay with it in principle because we were able to mitigate the overall risk. Now, one of the things that was in the press this week, and I think it made the press in the States, was the crowd booing during the speeches uh, presenting the trophy. They didn't boo the players. No. Which was lost in translation through some press outlets. But there was a lot of condemnation about the crowd booing. Yeah, it was something about saying like, you know, until we get the vaccine, things like this are going to be difficult. Which yeah. is a very weird thing to boo. Cor- no, yeah, but I was like, I actually gave it a green light. Because I was like, if your job is to stand up and thank sponsors, or to do, like when you are the executive that's talking before a trophy presentation, yes, you've paid a lot of money to be there, but your job is to get up, thank a few people, and get off the stage, right? The first person, I forgot their name, they did that. Like, a, we're proud to be here, proud to sponsor this. Congratulations to Novak and Dimitri, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. The next person got up that they booed, started talking around like, once there's a vaccination for COVID, and I just want to thank the government that's such, done such a great job. But they're doing that in the middle of the city being in lockdown. See, I that's, didn't actually watch any of it. So, yeah, well, there you go. Um, I found it funny. I was like, that is a classic case of not reading the room. See, I can't decide if the booing was for the sentence, the vaccine, or booing with the lockdown thing. Uh, the it booing was the, the whole speech. The booing the booed. vaccine thing, I, I just find it, I don't know, we're very booey at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you feel about booing in sport? Do you like it, hate it, or in the right moment, it's worth it? It's a real dictated by the sport. The sport dictates its own rules around booing. Yeah. So AFL is clearly a booey sport. Yeah, we love a boo in Aussie football. Uh, so obviously, you know, going to that to boo. Tennis is a bit more booey, but not of that kind of ilk. We Tennis yeah. is just that firm belief of if you play tennis the right way, people will applaud and respect it yes. it's very similar to golf not a lot of not a lot of booing unless you don't do what's in the the eons of rules beforehand yeah i feel like tennis you only ever hear booing if a player absolutely blows a gasket 
And it's even that it's that like, oh, boo, boo. It's yeah. not a hardcore standing up and booing them and howling them down. No. Like, someone could fire a ball. Like, you've seen the amount of times that someone fires a ball and hits a tennis kid. Yeah. There's no, you're not booing the guy because they're always very apologetic. But if they, obviously, if they sat there and lined them up and genuinely drilled them, meaningful, I'm sure they'd get booed. <laughs> So, knowing this and how you feel about it, if you were... So, for people that don't know, for part of the Australian Open, there was some crowd. Then there was no crowd because Melbourne got plunged into a hardcore lockdown. Don't leave your house lockdown. The one that AP and I illegally slash legally may or may not have been allowed to ran a podcast during lockdown. Um, that happened again. So if you were the only person allowed into the crowd, would you have booed your favourite person to hate on the tennis court, Novak Djokovic? I would, would have you booed. Boo? I would have booed him if he did his stupid shit. That's booable. <laughs> I can't. Boo, I can't retrospectively boo him because I don't like him in general. But if he does his normal, typical shenanigans, then I'll boo him for those. <laughs> I just won't applaud him because I just vehemently am against what he is and what he stands for, which is being a flog. <laughs> now, for our worldwide audiences, explain what a flog is. He's a dick. He's just a <laughs> shit bloke. Look, and look, the, the worst thing is like, you can objectively look at someone like Nick Kyrgios, who has numerous flog tendencies. Yeah. When... I can make the case that Nick Kyrgios is a better bloke than Novak. You've got concerns. You yeah. are a big flog. Yeah. Like, Nick is a flog. Like, don't always love his... At like, I hate his attitude. Like, it's probably more like he doesn't resonate with the Australian crowds because we're, we're always seeing ourselves as battlers. We yeah. always appreciate guys who never give up. doesn't matter how good they are or how bad they are. If they just... Just persevere and try. But when you don't try, we are very against that. Yeah. You're right. For a country that we're, we're actually pretty well off compared to the rest of the world, we love the perception that we all came, like our athletes have come from shanty towns and were raised like in the wild streets begging for food. We yep. love that image. Yep. We, we love the we're a battler. Um, that's what, you know, we re like Leighton Hewitt, no one really liked because he's a bit floggy, but he's kind of a very good persona of um, that. You know, Pat Rafter. Everyone loves Pat Rafter. Worked really hard. Used to sweat 7,000 litres a match. You could, tell, you could tell that dude's working hard. Left it all out there. All, you know, Pat, so nice. Like always, you know, losers, so receptive. Um, and then you got Kyrgios. And it's just like, you just, just a flog. You, just yeah. don't, you don't try. You don't try, and that gets that gets people riled up. So then, knowing that, what do you think Novak Djokovic's legacy is going to be? Because he's now what two slams behind Fed and Nadal. Yes. So it's a lot. That's he's a lot, but he's got a. Uh, he's won a lot, and it's more likely than not that he actually will get them purely out of sheer lack of competition. Yeah. Because there's still no one that's better than those three. Yeah, that's true. Do you think then that tennis is going to start to enter a bit of a lame era? Like they've had this golden generation of marketable talent and no one is bobbing up and getting people excited. 
Yeah. I think it's it's really tricky. Probably probably very similar to sort of how golf is at the moment where the actual quality of tennis across the board is super high. Yeah. But it just means that the margins for someone to be insanely excellent is sort of diminishing. The the way the guys were hitting balls this year, it was it seemed like they to get a winner, you had to thump like a one eighty click forehand, be you know, like it just has elevated. Yeah. But everybody can do it in the top fifty, eighty, a hundred. The yeah. fact that Federer and Nadal sort of have been keeping their sort of seems about right, but it sort of feels like there's no more there's no more percentage points to gain. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of guys who win slams, but I can't it's sort of tricky to see if there's gonna be a dominant force. There's always there's always gonna be a dominant force, but whether they, you know, are actually able to pick up that many, I'm not too sure. Do you and I, I think like uh, I was reading over our notes. You also said something about Novak Djokovic should get a Lego sponsorship. And I can't remember what you were talking about with Because he's got Lego hair. <laughs> his hair looks his hair literally looks like he'd go and pop it off and give him a new give him a new set. He's he's got ultimate movie villain hair. But see my thing is he should actually just be the villain. Um so f- so for those who aren't aware, I I vehemently don't like Novak. Uh, I'm a pro Federer man. That's obvious. But I respect Rafa. Like, I can't. You can't not. You can like one of them more than the other, but you you don't like you don't hate the other one. It's just yeah. not how it works. Novak is the guy who is forever going to whinge that no one thinks he's better than those two. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. He he could get 27 slams, and then everyone would go. Mm, but you're still not the goat. Federer's still the goat, and they're like, "Yeah, he's gonna be like, but I'm, um, but I'm Novak." To be fair, though, I feel like Roger Federer has a very close to a Lego head as well. Like he's got a bit of a Lego face. Now, nah, but he's had all those different hairstyles. He's had the ponytail. He comes out with like the long, cool, flowy bob, and then he's got the sharp. He's got the it flows in the wind. Novak could it just sits there. Nothing moves. Yeah, and if you inserted Novak as a token Eastern European bad guy in a Hollywood action movie, he's perfect for it. Mm. Like I, black turtleneck, a war crime sort of past, elite special trained forces bad guy in a movie, that's him. Yeah, I'm, he's just a shit dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So back what we touched on before, like, you th- you th- golf is potentially in the same spot. I think cricket is too, where they're kind of like these traditional, I won't say upper-class sports, but they're like these sort of clean-cut, traditional, it's just always their kind of sport. Do you think they maybe are going to struggle? And we know that participation rates in those sports is actually dropping around the world. Do you worry about them given that everything today is like the next greatest lights, camera, action, explosion, endorsement, like hype play, on demand, everything? Like they're sports that take five, six, seven hours, four days to compete in tournaments, two weeks. Are they going to struggle with the up and coming generation that want like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sports? The attention thing's a big one. Uh, I, 
you know, there'll be, there's always going to be kids that are attracted to sports. Like it's always going to be a way, but you got to go, you got to deal with the majority of odds. Mm. So, I mean, basketball at the moment is hugely popular because it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, Basketball is objectively cool because it is, you know, it's always got cool music going on. They have cool shoes. Yeah. Uh, Their personalities are cool. They actually call out a lot of each other. Like they actually, there's like a lot of actual not, they're not all friends uh, in the NBA too, which is pretty different. Uh, We don't really get that a lot in AFL. You don't just have a guy who hates another guy and it's off common. Mm. Uh, so NBA objectively gets a lot of attention now and it's so easy to watch NBA yeah. soccer gets a lot of drive from obviously the youth because it's safer than AFL. Yep. Uh, also the fact that if you start to get very good at sort of sport, there's only so many amount of AFL positions that you, there's only so many positions on a list that you can play AFL. There's quite a significant amount more of soccer clubs that you could play for. Yeah. Yep. And then you've got tennis. Tennis is the same. Like tennis hasn't hasn't moved the needle. Golf's also very historic. Like you don't hear suddenly of a tournament being. I mean, there's there's one uh, one example, and I've forgotten the name of it now. But it's in Texas. They've got one hole, and they have crowd. They literally built a stadium around the this uh, par three, and you're allowed to drink beers, and you're allowed to have noise. It's literally a stadium around one hole of golf. Yeah, and it is, and the players love it. There's lots of oh, guys, are, yeah, yeah, the elements, and, and it's so different and so unique. They all love it, but then you could you go back to the other sixteen holes, and yeah, there's some drunk guys still walking back from that one place, but you know the the vibe is not changing for bringing youth in. There's no music on on the yep. course. Uh, I mean, they they recently got all out of sorts the echelon of golf because. In one of the practice rounds, Rory and all the guys were wearing, wearing hoodies, that's sports right. sports hoodies, while they were just practicing. Like, oh, that's not in the spirit of the game. It's like, guys, <laughs> guys, like it's gonna be okay. <laughs> do you think then that those sports, their survival will be like? Why do we sit there quietly while dudes tee off? Maybe that's the next way to sort of bring a champion to the top. Is it's all on. It's no different to a basketball, NFL, AFL crowd. Everyone's right there yelling and hyping. Absolutely. You've got to do something different. I'd actually like to see that. I'd like to see how good like someone like a Tiger is. And I hope Tiger's okay. Um, he was obviously in a car accident this morning, so that was not very good to hear. No. But you yeah. are right. Those, those elite players, how they go in these different circumstances... Is it maybe that sports has become so scientific that then the players themselves become scientific robots because you have to be to succeed in sport because a margin for error and differences in personality is no longer yeah. of use. It's all becoming all, you know, to succeed in, a, in sport X, you have to sort of behave yeah. with that sport. Yeah. You have to be as one. With the game and the science. Again, that's just some broad strokes thoughts there. There's no exceptions. There's no there's no asterisks on that. <laughs> all right, my man. Well, I think that's all we got time for in uh this episode. No. Thanks very much for that one, Cordo. We'll see what ridiculous purchases I can justify in the next seven days. 
we started off very nonsensical, irrational, and ridiculous, and then we ended with this real deep sort of introspective, like morbidity at the future of sports. See, that's called planned. That's called setting people up. Yeah. Came in real smooth. Yeah. And ended real dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Thank you very much. No, thanks, that Cordo. Folks, at the Sidelines Media, on social media, on Spotify, Apple, Google, all those main things where you get your podcasts from and the sidelines.com today. Thank you for your support, as always. We'll see you again next time. There you go.